With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. This Screen Talk episode is supported by the new film If Beale Street Could Talk, nominated for three Golden Globes, including Best Motion Picture Drama. From Barry Jenkins, the writer-director of the Oscar-winning Moonlight, remember that one, comes a soulful drama about the power of love. Based on James Baldwin's acclaimed novel, this moving story embraces the triumph of love and family. In select theaters December 14th, I promise you you're going to get something good out of this movie. It is utterly gorgeous, so please go check it out. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large. And and we've got some Golden Globes nominations, uh, some stuff that seems like you could have written the story weeks ago, A Star is Born getting a lot of support, some stuff that's interesting, like Vice getting a lot of support, which we haven't even been able to review yet, and then some other stuff that is going to be quite different from what the Oscar race ends up being. What do you think? Well, they always go a little bit mainstream, a little quirky. Um, They have their love affairs with various celebrities. It's weird because I was going through and doing my nominations predictions and I had all these spoilers, you know, and I was making the point that celebrities can sometimes squeak in there just because they have star value and they're, you know, so I was predicting spoilers like Charlize Theron or Nicole Kidman. Sure enough, <laughs> you know, they get in, um, yep. even though, you know, a lot of people haven't seen Destroyer and uh, Tully and, and it's a good thing. It's just the same as everything else. If you can get people to see more of these movies, like, I mean, they even came through for Elsie Fisher for eighth grade, which was awesome because they have these extra categories. They have these ca- comedy musical categories, which somebody online was was pointing out. They should just make it drama and comedy and forget about this musical stuff since, <laughs> you know, the musicals are in the drama category anyway, in this case, except for Mary Poppins. Well, it's interesting there. And it's it's also kind of annoying is that, a movie like Bohemian Rhapsody, which you'd assume would go forty nine on Metacritic, I yeah, might add. Not not a good movie, really. I mean, it is a punchline, although commercially successful. But yes. their their decision to put it in the drama category obviously paid off. As Along they, with a Star Is Born, yeah. yeah. Well, Star Is um, Born, you could assume. you can argue that's a drama. I agree, yeah. and and they're they're going to argue that Bohemian Rhapsody is a drama biopic, also, um, and of course, Mary Poppins is a proper you know, book musical, as you like, you know, whatever you want to call it, but uh, where the songs are actually expressing what people are, you know, A Star is Born is a backstage musical, if you like. I thought that one of the things... They don't break into song necessarily, right? right? Exactly. And and, and you could split hairs on this. Bottom line is... So is Bohemian Rhapsody. That's a backstage musical. If any of this stuff, a wider playing field, different kinds of standards than some of the other prominent award shows, actually gets some good movies into the conversation or keeps them in the conversation, then I do think that's a positive. I like seeing the favorite there 
obviously. And I like seeing Black Klansmen getting a lot of support because it a has lot. a lot. It did very, very well. And so did If Beale Street Could Talk. And so did Black Panther. Black Panther looked a little pro forma in the sense that it's best picture, but it's not supported by any actors. You know, Michael B. Jordan didn't get in. Um, screenplay didn't get in. Director didn't get in. You know, so you, you see it getting best song, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but And score, which was cool, because I think that's a great score. And I want Black Panther to get taken seriously. Um, not sure the Golden Globes are the best way to do that, but it's a step in the right direction. Well, it's at least an acknowledgement that it is a contender and also that they see the movie itself as a phenomenon. I think a lot of a lot of people, they don't think about the particulars of the creativity behind Black Panther so much as they think of it as this this event movie that you know is, it has historic value in different kinds of ways. And perhaps that's what really sunk in here well i wrote a piece this week where i was um it was i was initially pursuing this story about how um the art house convergence got involved in this uh simulcast thing where where ryan coogler did an interview with an art house audience in san rafael california that went all over uh to about 15 different art house theaters around the country it was sponsored by film comment and of course Very what smart. they're doing is trying to get people to engage uh, and see, they, they made the video available um, to, to see, you know, a very intelligent man talking about all the different choices and decisions that he made um, while making this movie. And it was, a, a, you know, a conscious decision to deepen the movie and make it more than a superhero James Bond adventure, which is what it really started out to, to be. And, and he brought in all these very high level Oscar nominated costume designer, Ruth Carter, production designer, Hannah B. Beachler, wowed them at Marvel so much that they took this relatively, she wasn't inexperienced. She just hadn't done anything on that scale. She had worked with Coogler on his films. Um, and they, and they brought in you know, his composer, his editor, and, 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 and it really is a handcrafted, you know, it's a combination of the Marvel machine making sure that he stays on the rails and he doesn't make any horrible mistakes, but he crafted this thing. And I want people to give him credit, you know, for, for what he did and for what Michael B. Jordan did really too. I'm sure Disney lo loves that you're saying that right now, but I th it's also kind of interesting because that's what, Marvel has done so well with many all along yeah I mean, that's sort of the secret but this is success. the one that broke out in a more historic way because it know. was a movie that no one had ever seen a film like this exactly. on this scale if you think about it it's like the 19 or 20 whatever it is Marvel movies preceding Black Panther 18 <laughs> yeah so thank you they, they've all been kind of building up to something piercing the kind of cultural conversation and getting non- superhero movie but that's how long it takes it's and like, wonder woman yeah. did its bit but as well you know well it was a landmark thing. yeah yeah but but i think on some level it's like black panther felt more like the summation of this effort and the campaign lining up behind it ironically is all about making people think about it outside of the parameters of a superhero movie if you look at the campaigning the word superhero and the word marvel is 
basically not there at all. No, they're asking you to look at it as a movie, which they I have every right to do. And they're also trying to pull in, um, if you like, um, uh, a different audience that maybe doesn't think that this movie was made for them. And and a lot of I have had Academy members who are very artsy fartsy come up to me and say, oh, it's so wonderful. I loved this movie, you know. Um, so there is an intelligent movie for people to parse if they're willing to look at it. One of the things that I'm really curious about now that we have these nominations is where Green Book is, because Green Book is a movie that some people have been supportive of, and a lot of people have had, I think, very sharp, measured takedowns that have actually led me to reassess a movie that I thought was okay. I do, I do think that there are there is a legitimate problem with some of the aspects of res, repre, representing the dynamic between these characters, even though the movie does work to a large degree in a kind of old fashioned narrative sense. But I, but you look at that movie versus Black Klansman and it's like, man, are Spike Lee and Peter Farrelly going to acknowledge each other when in the same room? Like, I don't know about how, how that. There's thing. a lot of interesting yeah. stuff going on. I was up in San Francisco for the San Francisco, uh, Film Society, SF Film, they call it now, uh, awards. And they gave one to Boots Riley, right? And he acknowledged that he's gone after Spike Lee, you know? Um, and, and he says that the whole narrative, and it was very interesting today, um, one of the things they did do at the Golden Globes was give John David Washington a nomination for that movie, well-deserved. And he wrote um, one of those statements that they send out in, in emails, making a point that it was his privilege to play that character uh, that, you know, it, what Boots Riley is, is accusing the movie of is of fabricating uh, a story that didn't really happen. Well, to, I mean, Boots, for one thing is you could tell that Boots had no idea about the kind of fragile nature of award season as he just sort of casually tossed out. I mean, he's kind of a rebel, but he's still... Yeah, he no, he says out. what he thinks. Yeah, yeah but, I, but I'm not sure... Oh, you don't think he was throwing a monkey wrench in the no, works? I don't think he was trying to sabotage the Oscar campaign for Black Klansmen or something like that. I think he's a first-time filmmaker who's got a music career behind him. I do think he was saying what he thinks, but he also has tried to pull back to some degree. And Spike has also been very careful about these things. I moderated an event with him over the weekend uh, for a bunch of composers with Terrence Blanchard. Well, he knows uh, better. I was, by the way, he was robbed today, Terrence Blanchard. But but and- somebody asked Spike about, sorry, it's, it's just, you know, like a film student in the audience asked Spike about, and he interrupted and he said, I am not going to comment about Mr. Boots Riley. And mm-hmm. then it, was, it was one of those things where it's like, you know he's probably getting asked this all the time. And so I, that is interesting, but that these people are trained know. how to deflect yeah. these things and yeah, stay yeah. on message. And there's and, all and, sorts uh, of rules that they follow and, in and, order to uh, do that. Yes. And, and Boots Riley did not get nominated. Not that this would have been an obvious. Oh, no, that would have been for the Gothams as opposed to uh, the Golden Globes, which is a much more mainstream group. Look, they, they are not predictive, the Golden Globes, but what they do, and you, you can call, you can every year you can sort of go through them and say, you know, maybe Nicole Kidman isn't going to make it. Maybe Char- Charlize Theron isn't going to make it. Well, your Matt- buddy, 
Natalie Portman, if she had a shot, would have had it here, Eric. Would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't happen. But, you know, you know Star is not happening. That okay? was a disappointment. That was Vi Viola Davis would have been the one to get something yeah. here, and she did not. But, you know, uh, Matt Dentler over at iTunes made an interesting point on Twitter, which was last year you had a movie that was basically shut out of the Globes and then did really well with Oscar nominations, and that was Phantom Thread. So what's this year's Phantom Thread? That was a late, late-breaking movie, and Vice is a late-breaking movie. I mean, that would have been Very the equivalent. Well, now, but... when you see SAG coming up next week, it will be the late-breaking movies that might be uh, negatively impacted and maybe not will may, might not show as well at SAG. But but it's it's not um, it's not. A, I don't think that I don't think there is a Phantom Thread. Well, don't forget about First Reformed, which was shut out of the Globes and is still. But it's not a late-breaking movie. Phantom Thread. No, but the reason that it. Phantom Thread was Phantom was because it missed SAG deadlines and it ended up being a really good, strong Oscar contender and they all saw it over the holidays that and caught up true. with it. That First is Reformed is a small, little art film that yeah. you have elevated at the New York Film Critics, sure. but it is not a Golden Globe contender and it will be an Oscar contender. I do think yeah, it will be. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. At least that much is that it, it is not a Globe to me, but it still has Oscar potential. And no, probably there's lots of them. I remember the Charlotte Rampling you know, movie. With that, that was a, a perfect example of something that didn't make it in some quarters, but certainly turned up at the Oscars. You know, that, oh, that happens yeah. every year. What did you make of this in intriguing entry for A Private War Rosamund Pike. No, that's a good one. That's a case I applaud them. Uh, that's a case where where you can hope that that were that 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 DVD moves up on the screener piles. Yeah, we've talked about Not it. Not that I've gotten one. Have you? No, I mean this is Avron Pictures trying to David Dinnerstein's company. I, I suppose trying to to kind of really get behind a a, a more serious kind of movie than anything they've put out before. Well, they, I hope they got it to SAG at least. Yeah, that's, they, that's what they and to the Academy actors. I don't care if they send it to critics as much as for those people. Yeah, and you know it's also notable it also got a an original song nomination for Annie Lennox. So that's typical though. That's pop star stuff. You know, yeah. they, they threw some events with, with a major pop star and they got a nomination for it. That's normal. Because we do care about some of these other categories. It is worth talking about the foreign language film one where you have Capernaum, you have girl, you have Roma, which didn't get into these other big Netflix categories. did well in that particular group of but films. You got shoplifters, which won the Palme d'Or, but what about cold war? It doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. I mean, the Academy branch is going on its merry way, uh, looking at, you know, the, the committee, looking at the foreign films. I don't think that the Golden Globes represent anything in this particular case. I, I don't make a, I mean, I, I think the Guilty and Border uh, are in the hunt on the uh, Academy side, among other things. Yeah, it's it's intriguing to see that disconnect, though, because I would have thought Amazon would still care about a Globe nomination and do whatever you need to do. They did it. what they had to do, I'm sure. It, 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 it's just a okay. That's the thing. It's just this idiosyncratic group of 90 people. I don't think they all thought that Sam Elliott was going to get left off, but he was in the end. There you, you go. Know? And yeah. I, I don't think that's predictive at all. I think Sam Elliott will move on and get nominated by SAG and get nominated by the Oscars and he will be a happy man. I don't think the Globes are going to impact him one way or the other. They just didn't give him a lift.
but it will give a lift to something like Star is Born, right? I mean, it's not it's not like and a that's just that has wins in its sales already. That's yeah, but it's just, not, it can't hurt, right? No, I mean, it's fine. All the headlines say Star. It is continues born. to it continue. That's the movie of all the movies that got nominated, even if it got five as opposed to uh, six or something. Um, you know, which is what Vice got. I would say that Star is Born is in much better shape than Vice is. Yeah, in terms of landing all those nominations. When we can talk more about Vice, I think it'll be clearer to people that... What we can say about Vice very clearly is that it's got some great performances and Christian Bale and Amy Adams will be uh, recognized, I'm sure. But the the question there is it's going to get a mixed response, not a unanimously uh, positive one. Also, it's it's a weird friggin' movie. It's even by award season standards, and I think that's going to get a very, it's going to be a fascinating conversation around that movie. But I it's agree. not an easy sell by any means. So that that is something to keep in mind. Although, but Annapurna ended up getting ten nominations, yeah. which is remarkable yeah, for any company. I mean, yeah. they, they did have a great box office hit with Sorry to Bother You, which was an acquisition. Well, modest modest and good, but yeah, yeah I mean, all reasonable. But then yeah. some, some fairly negative headlines about the uh, restructuring and stuff going on over there. So, so at least this helps kind of keep the positivity in terms of what they're what, how they'll finish off the year. And we're also, what we don't know from the Globes, I, don't, I, I heard some murmurings about this and I don't know if it was confirmed that people did see the mule that Clint Eastwood's movie is, it's not nominated for anything, but it, but it is still a real movie as far as we know that will be coming out very soon. So there, that is- I an finally op- got a screening of that. I got a screening of the, um, of Welcome to Marwin. And I know they screened that for the Academy and somebody, I, you know, a couple of people have seen it and, and thought it was kind of cool. doesn't sound like it's very commercial though, you know? It seems, it's a, I mean, I love that. I can't wait to see it. The documentary Marwin Coffee, yeah, checking out, but it's it's just a it's a strange. It sounds pretty process. weird. Yeah, that's what they Aren't said. They said that. it was weird. Yeah. And one of the things I've enjoyed about these nominations this year um, is is last year when I was the chair of the New York Film Critics Circle, uh, we held our ceremony before the Globes. So it w- hopefully the the hope was that uh, we wouldn't really have to worry about the Globes interfering with anything. Of course, then we ended up having a whole scheduling challenge with Palm Springs. So there really is no perfect date this year. New York film critic circle dinner is the day after the globes. So it was really a question of, okay, who's going to commit to getting on that early morning flight. And, uh, it really is just a couple well, it's of just people. as well that you have a separate group of, of awardees. Yeah. I mean, we got Quaron, but Quaron's definitely going to be there. He's got, Quaron's got a whole bunch of stuff going on and, and really has to commit to, being in front of these awards, he cannot be a no-show for this movie. So he will be there. And then we've got the the some some acting winners with Richard E. Grant and Regina King. But you know, Ethan Hawke was shut out, and uh, Regina Hall. I mean, that would have been really cool. But I know people are still kind of figuring out what what support the girls is. So that that wasn't something we had to worry about. And Cold War won Best Foreign, and that was shut out too. So so in that time space in between the Globes and then New York Film Critics Circle, and then NBR, you're going to see a lot of coverage of a lot of different movies. Which is what the Academy is trying to avoid when they change the dates next year. That's going to be really interesting. It's going to be an interesting challenge. 
what they want apparently is that they are hoping that rather than costing all of these films valuable playtime where they could be nominated and make a lot of money at the box office there are not all films are going to be in a theatrical place at that point in time especially if a lot of them open earlier and are already streaming or going um you know on platforms so it's going to be uh it's going to be an interesting change to see how the distributors and everyone else shifts to adapt to a new date um a year from now it's been a big week for Academy News, too, because we now know that there is an Oscar host. First, all the headlines were saying nobody wants to do it. Then it turns out Kevin Hart. Obviously- he had already been signed up. So the Academy was furious that the Hollywood Reporter wrote this big story about how they couldn't get a host when they'd already gotten one. They just hadn't announced it yet. So they ended up announcing it the same day. I mean, I can um, see some people not wanting to do this, but Kevin Hart, I mean... He's been I'm, wanting to do it desperately yeah. for years, and, which and honestly, the Academy liked. They liked being sought after like right. that. Well, but it's but the thing is, it that's kind of silly because the Academy should want Kevin Hart. He is... I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of his movies, obviously, as you can imagine. And I now I'm sort of curious to watch more of his stand-up and kind of get a sense for him comedically on the stage. But... He's got a massive, massive fan base, and they need somebody like that from a rating standpoint. And it's exactly the kind of person you could imagine could bring in some new viewers. So, well, I think he is actually a movie star. He's also a star in many other media, you know, stand up and he tours, and he has a huge fan base that he's built up. And he's also. Um, a, a really dedicated and original uh, kind of voice on social media. And so they they were attracted to all of those things. Um, what I don't understand is why they weren't a little more uh, shy of going, getting to bed again with somebody who has a lot of you know, comedians get into trouble, you know, comedians do racy things, uh, homophobic things. Uh, A a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of uh, gay folks really pissed, really angry, really pissed off that that the the Academy would even consider this guy. Yeah, I mean, that's the look, Brett Brett Ratner said, same, that's what they're comparing it to. And and yeah, I mean, and in that case, the Academy pulled out, as it were, and lost Eddie Murphy and had to go with Billy Crystal and all that stuff that year. Well, there are all these questions now in every facet of the industry about how much do you need to do your homework before you agree to pay somebody a bunch of money for a gig? Because, frankly, almost nobody who's, like, edgy and going to bring a certain kind of, uh, you know, shake-up-the-conversation approach to this stuff has a completely clean track record. I mean, most comedians have stepped in it in one in one point or another. Kevin Hart also has had all kinds of other things happen. There was stuff with, but apparently the stuff with his wife or the other um, things that he did in his life that he got into trouble for, um, he he dealt with. I mean, he 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 copped to it, or he or you know he worked it out online, or apologized, or or you know he he did deal with those things. Um, I'm not sure how the uh, how the you know how the academy deals with with the, this issue of homophobia. Which that's a real challenge. That's more challenging. There's I think. no obvious solution to that other than him perhaps acknowledging it and and talking it through publicly. But it's an interesting question because some of the homophobic stuff that he put out there had to do with 
how he felt as a parent. He did deal with that. That particular thing uh, he addressed had to do, it had to do with his own, he said it had to do with his own, um, his own panic, you know, that that he was doing the right thing as a parent or something. Right, right. Well, and, and then it's also a question of what kind of a host does he choose to be? I mean, he is a Hollywood figure, but does he go for the jugular and make fun of all these different kinds of things? Or does he just kind of roll along? He's obviously not a song and dance man. No, I think he does. I think he does um, uh, clean up his act to a degree. He certainly knows how to work a room. He's, he's very popular. Um, And I think that he could be uh, someone who could pull an audience, which, which is, and without, you know, the, the thing that Ellen did that was great was that because she has that TV show, she really knew how to engage people. She's the one who did the selfie and, and the, you know, passed out stuff in the audience Very and all creative. that. Kimmel didn't do it as successfully. Um, well, but, I mean, it's an open question though, because I felt like what both, what both of them did was think outside the box in terms of how to do certain kinds of stunts that would get people talking. I mean, Kimmel went across the street to that movie's, screening of uh i thought that was terrible though and then that's the thing it's not only was it a little clunky but it wasted a lot of time yeah they're committing to make this they're committing to three hours right they're going to give away like six to eight of the awards during the uh people keep forgetting that it's not like they're not going to give those awards out they are they're just going to not be live and they'll be edited down and you won't see people walking up and and you know it'll be it'll be much more uh, seamless, I think, than people think. Yeah, I mean, they basically. I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I haven't really completely resolved all of this because we need. Do we know which awards exactly aren't going to be? They're aired? supposedly uh, alternating years so that it won't be the same every year. I spoke to this guy uh, from Paramount who who was talking about a quiet place and I was giving, I was saying, well, you're going to end up winning sound, you know? And he goes, Oh, I don't want to be the one that's being given out during the commercial. I feel like everybody in those categories who are going on during the commercial break need to like have some joint agreement that whoever wins strips naked on stage or something. And it doesn't doesn't get shown. Yeah, exactly. You can do whatever you want. It's it's, it's like, that's one thing that people like about our, our summer, the New York film critics thing is it's not televised. So you can kind of get wacky, you know, but who knows? I mean, I I think it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting. Well, the other thing that's going on with the Academy is that they had this unveiling um, uh, this, um, uh, of the of the new uh, Academy Museum, which is going to open in about a year. And they, they did a big light show up on the May Company building. And then they did a, a tour um, and a, of, of, for the press of, of what the interior of the museum um, ex- exhibition is going to be like. And I talked to Rick Carter, the production designer for um, Avatar and a lot of other things for S- Steven Spielberg over the years, Star Wars over the years. He's working on the new Star Wars right now, but he's also their head of um, ac- exhibition design. And, and it's really cool. I mean, they have this permanent exhibition that's going to be covering the history of Hollywood on one floor. Um, and then there's, there's special exhibitions. They're going to do an African-American retrospective um, that really hasn't been done in this kind of depth uh, about, about the history of that in, in American uh, movies. And, and they're going to do um, 
And it'll get into all the different aspects of that, how they were shown, how they were made, how they were financed, um, and what their impact was culturally. And there's going to be a Miyazaki retrospective. Um, so there's all sorts of, of stuff going on that, um, you know, will be worth checking out. They did not get into the question of the uh, programming of the theaters, which I think is the biggest question mark. Well, what, however it plays out, you guys really need something like this in LA. It's, it sounds like a very costly endeavor, but I certainly hope that it comes together without a hitch because it just seems like, you know, it's a, it's, it'll be, it'll have a tour, it'll be a tourist attraction, but a really substantial one with true curatorial vision that, that keeps the movies relevant. And you have to assume that Hollywood will want to support it in the long term if it does well out of the gate. I mean, it's just, it's, I'd say, you know, it's hard to get something like this going. I mean, anytime you look at, museums museums are, are you, it's even harder to get people to go to a museum than it's getting to go see a movie because it's it's a more kind of intangible experience so it really needs to leave an impression in that sense and uh, and i'm very curious to see how all these exhibits come together how people are talking about them what's their relationship with lacma and, and the rest of the kind of museum culture in los angeles but uh it's you think about the price tag it's what is it, four hundred, five hundred million dollars? It is indeed. Um, I was just thinking that you know, just as we, you know, go to see a movie and we we you know finally, if it costs two hundred million, um, you know, is it a good movie? Is it fun? Is it going to be engaging? And finally, I wish the museum well. I recognize that it could be uh, a big money drain and a disaster, <laughs> but I wish them well. I, I want to see. I'm a I'm I'm a film lover, and I want to see what they do with it. Well, let me say, when I grew up in Seattle, they launched the Experience Music Project with uh, mainly Paul Allen's money, which is a rock and roll museum. And that was something that a lot of people were like, wow, can they actually make this work? And they, they did. I mean, it really was an important addition to a music town that gave us something to sort of celebrate the art. And it did become a tourist attraction. Yeah, it did, it did it become did. one of the things that everybody did when they so, went to Seattle. Yeah, so there's there's potential. It just really has to feel special and permanent. That's that's the bottom line. In any case, uh, next week, we've got a whole bunch of awards. So we're, we're in the thick of it now. What's around the corner, Anne? Well, we've got the Critics' Choice Awards, which I voted for and got in and under my deadline. Um, and, and in fact, that group, which is a much larger group than the New York Film Critics and, and is national and is TV critics and online critics and radio, and, and for whatever reason, the... Critics' Choice Awards, which cover a lot of the same categories as the Oscars, um, plus some additional ones, do tend to be more uh, predictive of, of the Oscars than, say, the New York film critics. Um, and then we have the SAG nominations coming as well um, next week um, on the 12th. And uh, that is going to, that's where you're starting to get into the guilds that actually overlap with the academy so that the actors are very predictive it's, of what's it's, going it's to end an up happening crystal ball instead exactly. of exactly hypothetical one absolutely so that should be a lot of fun and, and um i'm looking forward to connecting with you on all that stuff because we're getting so close to the end of the year we've already got through our you know top 10 lists and all this kind of stuff but once we get into january it were you know it's just a few weeks out from the oscars we're going through sundance it's going to move fast so I'm enjoying this last kind of slow coast to the end of the year before the mayhem 
Really? Slow. <laughs> it's all relative, as you know. I got up at 5 a.m., dude. Well, don't don't use the word slow. Get some rest in. I'll talk you to you. You too. Next. Bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.